0: So we're just going to turn to God's Word very briefly to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And just as we think about the different roles that we have to play in his church, we're going to read some words that encourage us to do that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the food should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body. And has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers. Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored. Every part rejoices with it. Now you. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will
1: you give a very warm welcome to Linda Ray and to Rick Hill. Now, we're on the sofa, and it's very (laughs) cosy.
2: Lovely. There
1: we go. Now, Linda Shivers.
2: That's right. uh
1: Okay. Uh, Spelt
2: with an S, not with a C.
1: Does anybody know any Shivers in this
2: room? No? Not a
1: a usual name.
2: No, no. um, My brother and I would be the only ones from the Shivers side of the family that are now in Northern Ireland.
1: Okay. So... (laughs) So, uh, Where did did the Shivers come from and uh, how long have they been in in McQuiston Memorial?
2: Well, we've been. um, McQuiston was the home congregation for my mother. She was a Craig. And the Shivers um, originally would have been from Londonderry. Quite a lot of Shivers and spelt both SH and CH. In the Londonderry area.
1: Okay, so how long have you been Mrs. Ray?
2: I have been Mrs. Ray for 21 years, I think. Mm -hmm. My husband's down there. He's probably shaking his head going, no. So 21 years.
1: Very good. Great.
2: So I married a widower. Yes. So I did. Um, so, And I inherited a family, which is nearly the best way. I got children without having to go through the pain of childbirth.
1: Okay. And what stage are the children at?
2: They're all married. We have five grandchildren, um, three of whom are in Zambia and two are in Oxford. Um, so holidays are interesting. You know, We don't go to Portugal or Spain. We go to Africa or over to England.
1: That sounds good to mm-hmm. me. Now, Rick, uh, you're one of the Hills of Antrim. <laughs> yep, that's, uh,
3: that's correct, yeah. I grew up in Temple Patrick and uh, I was a member of Mucklemore Presbyterian Church. Uh, that's where I grew up, and uh, yeah.
1: All right, good. And tell us a little bit about your family.
3: Yep, um, okay, so we have uh, two boys. Uh, I'm married to Sarah. Um, she's a special needs teacher uh, in Newton Abbey. Um, we live in Doak, a little village um, just uh, out or near Ballyclare, if you know what and uh, we have two boys so Micah is the youngest Micah is seven months and Noah is a nightmare and uh, no it's not true he's four years old and he's a P1 and he's just boundless energy relentless at the minute and uh, life's good fun the newborn's actually easy compared to, compared to him
1: okay well look thank you for telling us a little bit about your, uh, your lives Uh, Rick, you have recently been in this church building actually nearly every Sunday night because you've been on the screen so everybody who is here thinking I know that fellow but where do I know him from? Crime watch (laughs) but you look very natural in the TV if you don't mind me saying so okay, thank you (laughs) All right, so uh, um, that that tells us a little bit about what you're doing We, we won't touch on that just yet but uh, um, t- tell us a little bit about um, the points growing up that were significant in your spiritual development.
3: Okay. Um, I mentioned I grew up in Muckamore Presbyterian Church. I, was, uh, uh, I, I have a mum and dad who were really, really involved in church. Dad has been clerk of session there for many years, and they, they both, mom and dad, took care of the music in church as well. Um uh, Mum played the organ, Dad played the piano. They both uh, led, the cho- led the choir and the music team there. Um, and so really, I, I, can't, I can't have a memory or I don't have a memory where I wasn't in and around the church And as a child, I loved that. Um, I loved uh, running about the church halls. I loved attending everything that was going. Um, As a child, I was probably one of those annoying kids who always had his hand up and thought he knew all the answers and knew a lot about God and the stories of the Bible growing up. Um, But actually, as a teenager, I, I... I guess the best way to describe me was I knew a lot about God in my head, but I knew none of him in my heart. And uh, I suppose as a teenager uh, growing up through church, I began to say to mum and dad, I don't want to go there anymore. It's um, It's not so... Uh, fun or cool or uh, I just didn't enjoy being around that as a teenager and, and I can remember actually Sunday nights especially around uh, when it came time to go to youth group or youth fellowship I can remember actually begging mum and dad do not send me tonight please I do not want to go and um, I can even remember making up mystery illnesses you know if you're parents you probably know what a mystery illness is and um, among children I can remember sort of making those up to try to, to get out but I can say that I have a mum and dad who continue to force me out the door or <laughs> drive me there, and um, whether I wanted to or not. And looking back now, I'm really, really thankful for that. I think at 13, 14, 15, if i had made my own choice, um, I, I don't know. Um, I probably wouldn't be here tonight, and I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing, and I don't even know if I'd be following Jesus. Um, and uh, so a, a turning point came for me at the age of 16, where uh, I was in a church one evening, and um, I remember hearing a, a really clear message, and it was actually during a worship song, um, in response to that message, I, I became a Christian. I became very worried all of a sudden. Um, what have I done? Um, I, I wondered if my life would change at all. And I became very worried about telling one friend, some of my friends at school, that I was now a Christian. And, uh, and so I, d- I resolved kind of that night, probably in bed, I resolved, I need to tell one friend in particular straight away. I just need to tell him because if they don't tell him now, I'll probably never tell him. And so I decided that I would go in the next morning to school. Um, so I'm fifth year at school, year 12, you might know it now. And I uh, walked into school, grabbed this friend of mine called Steve, pulled him aside, said, Steve, I have something to tell you. He said, Rick, I have something to tell you too. And I thought, oh, he's going to tell me about you know, the girl he's interested in or something that happened at the weekend. And I said, I need to tell you something. He says, last night, Rick, at my church, I became a Christian. Hmm. I didn't even know he went to church. And uh, I'm not sure he, did. he knew that I went to church either. And so we had a pretty amazing moment or conversation and probably resolved in that moment to become people who would support one another. Um, and I think trying to speed the story up a little bit, I I can, I think I could describe myself 16, 17, 18 years old. I I just had a thirst and a passion to share Jesus with other people, share my faith, probably in a quite overzealous way, looking back. Um, But I was, I just wanted people to know and so became a leader in the scripture union group at school became a leader in the youth a young leader in the youth fellowship group at church and uh, just grabbed hold of any summer mission opportunities that were available mainly through scripture union teams um, cssm and known initially and i would say those three environments of serving god were the points that helped accelerate growth in me as a christian so i look back how did i grow as a Christian, I grew as a Christian by serving God and by reaching out in mission. And it was that, I guess, thirst that created, you know, those experiences of, of on mission. I encountered God at work. I saw him move in people's lives. And, um, I, I was, um, and I think that caused faith in me to grow and rise. And it was the people that I was exposed to, particularly in, in Scripture Union mission teams, um, and I'm particularly a youth leader in, in my home congregation, who's now a Presbyterian minister, um, but who who just had, had a huge impact um, in, in my faith.
1: We're going to come to, to, to Lynn very shortly, but uh, just picking up on that, Rick, you've shared an amazing providence, and, and you must have seen God at work in that with you and your friend, because you can't bring about that by, by yourself. But um, looking back... Are there any things that would, you know, encourage a congregation in, in working with teens? Because because it's hard being a teen, and it's really hard being a, a Christian at school as a teenager. Yeah, I
3: suppose the example of, a, you know, the, the parent example in my life for, for a start, um, I think I had, I look back and just think, I mean... I don't know if I could quote to you now preaching that I heard, although I'm, I'm pretty convinced it was important to me at the time and it was important for my spiritual growth at the time, but I think of people. you know. So I think of a youth leader, a couple actually, an older couple who opened their home to a group of us and just allowed us to come and eat food at times that they provided for us and to hang out. Um, I think of a youth leader who um, probably who uh, the, the guy I mentioned earlier, actually Mark, youth leader who, who continued to give me and friends opportunities to serve at the front of youth fellowship group and um, so I, I was probably quite a stereotypical Christian 17 year old guy that I, I thought I'm now a Christian I probably the first thing I need to do is learn the guitar and um, you would think it should be read the bible but uh, so I learned a guitar and I learned three chords and and this youth leader said to me uh, would you lead songs at the front of youth fellowship group I think I knew the guitar for about six weeks I knew Jesus for about six months uh, and I was up at the front of of youth group and it was probably awful look well looking back and I, I know it was awful and it was uh, horrendous music and I, I know times where it didn't go very well and people weren't singing and and he came up to me at the end and he says what? you know that was that was great and then he said would you do it again next week now they must have been really desperate but I look back and I think I, I had people who gave me opportunities to serve so that the service opportunities I'm talking about I, I didn't have it all together I didn't know all the answers it didn't you know, I wasn't particularly skilled or gifted, but I just had people who probably believed in me, not just me, you know, lots of others our age at that time and gave us opportunities okay, to serve. Okay, thank you. So.
1: And as the Bible reading that Philip read to us from First Corinthians, uh, seeing a gift that could be encouraged and brought into life, Linda, how did you decide to go on the career path that you did?
2: Well, I suppose... In my days, I went to Grosvenor. I'm an East Belfast girl, born and bred. Um, And really, you picked your O-levels and your A-levels, and it wasn't until you were almost finishing your A-level courses that they then started to talk to you about careers. And then you would discover that you weren't doing the right subjects to do whatever career you wanted. Uh, So that's a bit of a giveaway about what age I am and what generation I come from. But I suppose I always had a desire um, to be working with people. I always cared about people and took an interest in them. Now, that maybe arose because as a 13-year-old, my father had died. And in those days, in the early 70s, there wasn't the same benefits around that people would be able to get nowadays. So life was tough. Um, But, you know, my mother always, she would never have complained and I suppose as a brother and sister, we always knew never to ask for, can you go on the school trip? because there wouldn't have been the money for that. Um, but as I say, I had an interest in people, and there were people in the church who nurtured me at that stage, because a bit like Rick, as when you're a teenager and as a Christian, you rebel against some things, and you don't want to go to your normal church, and you want to do different things. Um, and I, I was smiling to myself when um, Rick was talking about running around the church halls. In my days, you didn't run around the church halls. You know, it was very much you walk and you're quiet and things, so things have moved on. Um, So anyway, then when I was looking at doing, um, I'd selected my A-levels and I really, at that stage I talked about maybe going into teaching and then when it came to applying for university, I sort of you know, I really wasn't that interested in teaching and at that stage I, when I left school after my A-levels I didn't go to university and I went and worked for the health board initially and then I got on to a social work training course after a couple of years um, and I worked in the area of learning disability uh, which in those days was called mental handicap so thankfully we've moved on um, over the last number of decades and I've always had a particular interest in the area of disability and I suppose it's only in the last 20 years in PCI that we have actually started working and being more aware of people with disabilities and looking at integrating them into our churches and developing projects.
1: That's what we're going to come back to in just a few Mm -hmm. moments' time. But thank you for introducing yourselves, and uh, we look forward to the next section.
0: Let us pray. As we bring our offering to you this evening, Lord, we do so wanting to offer more than just our money. We want to give all of our lives over to you for your will and your purpose. We want to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, being active in service, faithful in prayer, and sharing our lives with others. Father, we thank you that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We thank you that as we seek to be your church in this place, that we do not do this on our own. But that we do so in fellowship with so many others across this island. Would you help us to be less individualistic and focused on ourselves, instead, of helping us to see how we can serve you better together across our presbytery, our island, and our world? We want to thank you this evening for our denomination, and we want to pray for them especially. We want to pray for our moderator our clerk and deputy clerk, for the different presbyteries, kirk sessions, committees, and congregations across this land. Would you equip and strengthen them all to be salt and light in this dark world and to carry out their different roles and responsibilities and callings with wisdom, integrity, following your lead, your guidance, keeping in step with your spirit. We want to pray particularly for the election of a new moderator in a couple of weeks' time, We pray that your will would be made clear and that the right man would be selected to represent us in the coming year. Father, we pray for our college as they train ministers, deaconesses, youth workers and others for Christian service. We pray for the principal, the faculty, the staff and the students that as they concentrate on study for a season, that in all they do they would walk closely with you. We pray that those who go to college would develop more than just head knowledge, but that they would deepen in their relationship with you and their zeal for your service. We thank you for all of the different work our denomination does centrally, things that before tonight we may not even have known about. I want to thank you in particular for Linda and for Rick and for their willingness to come and to share with us tonight. We thank you for the Council for Social Witness and for the incredible job they do in showing your love in practical ways to those in need. Father, we thank you for the massive remit they have, things such as residential care, nursing care, respite, the running of Thompson House and many other initiatives. Would you help all involved to be strengthened and equipped for their roles and to know your guidance as they seek to care for others. And we pray especially for Linda in her role, thanking you for her passion and her commitment and for her deep love for you and for others. We pray that she would know your keeping and care as she continues to serve you and that she would walk closely with you. We thank you also for the Council for Congregational Life and Witness and for their efforts in trying to equip us as congregations to follow you and to be witnesses for you in our daily lives. I want to pray especially for Rick tonight and his work as discipleship officer. As he plans and prays, would you guide him by your word to know how best to help us be a denomination of disciples who make disciples. We thank you for the recent special assembly looking at discipleship and for the essential small group resource that so many congregations have used and are using. With these and other resources, help us to be a people who take your command to make disciples seriously. We pray for the upcoming Transform Young Adults Conference in March, for the PCI Youth Assembly in February, and for Emerge, a short-term training program for emerging leaders in PCI. We pray for these events alongside the meetings that Rick has with congregations, that all of these things would bring great fruit for your kingdom as we seek to live for you. Father, we pray for the other councils in our church, for the General Council, Public Affairs, Global Mission, Mission in Ireland, the Linkage Commission and the Judicial Commission, would all that we do as a denomination glorify you and honour you? And Lord, we pray that this would extend to each of our individual lives. Father, help us not to think that somebody else is doing the job, but help us to seek ways to serve you day by day. Make us India people who want to glorify and enjoy you in all that we do. Help us to show your love in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, and everywhere else we are. Help us to live for you in all that we do. For Jesus' sake, amen. Um,
1: It's very easy to knock the church, and a lot of people do, and... um... Yet we've been reminded from the hymns tonight that Jesus loves the church, and He loves the church so much that He died in order to to save her, to make her the way that she should be beautiful. And and one of the things that uh, I discovered again, really through years moderator, was was being able to see the church at work in its its breadth. I mean, inevitably, when you're, when you're in a local congregation, you, you love that work, you love the people you're working with, you love the work that has been done on the ground, and, and you forget, actually, that there's a vast amount of work that's being done in our name in different corners of the island and across the world. And I was hugely struck by the work of the Council of Social Witness. Tell us a little bit about what... Uh, the council do, how many people are involved, and the the breadth of the work?
2: Okay. Uh, The Council for Social Witness is really the social care agency for our church. So we're currently based in 19 different locations, so everywhere from Garva to Greystones uh, in the Republic of Ireland. And on a nightly basis, we would be providing bed accommodation for about 450 people and that would be in a range of different facilities everything from our residential and nursing homes for older people to our work with people in the criminal justice field and um, we do work with people with addictions and work with people with disabilities as well. So along with the 450 beds we obviously need quite a few staff to care for that and we currently have I think it's about 440 members of staff, a budget of about 10 million pounds and I see our council's finance manager here tonight and I'm his worst nightmare because if I believe that we should do something, even if he says there's no money, you know what it's like? You just keep knocking away at those finance people until they eventually give in. Um, but uh, so very diverse and uh, I've got with me tonight so do come and see me later on because people often say to me you know I don't know about the work of our council so this is a little sheet that has a map of Ireland on it also indicating where our projects and the homes are and also with some prayer pointers. Yeah.
1: Now you've mentioned something of the breadth, and I, I honestly didn't know the extent of the work that has been done and I guess that many people are astonished to hear those statistics tonight but what sort of beds are available for what sort of people?
2: Okay, well, we have six residential homes for older people. We've just opened our newest residential care home in Garva. Now, I had never been in Garva in my life until about two years ago. Um, but I can recommend Garva as somewhere to go to. Um, and I'm sure some of you may well have been aware of the media interest uh, when we purchased a home in Garva, because along with opening it, we were going to be closing Ard Cluen in Londonderry, which was a 13 bed residential home, and also York House in Port Rush and residents, and some staff relocated to Garva. So, six residential homes, one nursing home in Oma, who are going currently celebrating their 25th anniversary this is another plug you know um, cookery book that they have produced again if anyone would like to purchase a cookery book I can recommend a number of recipes in it and um, well, see me all later. All
1: I know is that the chef and the cook in the Harold Macaulay house uh, when i visited mm-hmm. was top notch so i'm mm-hmm. sure her recipes yes i know are i re- you know
2: when i started working for pci i was several stone lighter than i am nowadays <laughs> so of course as i go round everywhere we have to do the quality checks on the food um in relation to our specialist um, services, we have Carlisle House in North Belfast which is our addiction rehabilitation unit um, where people will come for six weeks and undergo undergo different treatments there um, for their addiction and then we have Grez Court. Uh, which is supported housing for people who have been through uh, the Carlisle House treatment program. Sometimes for people with addictions it's not appropriate for them to go back to the environment that they've been living in or maybe they've lost their home as a result of their addiction. So we have seven flats that people can stay in and then Thompson House is our criminal justice hostel. It's quite often in the media. Um, One of the first things I do when I come home from church on a Sunday is I look at my mobile phone. Um, and usually if I've got a missed telephone call or there's a text message it's usually to do with Thompson House telling me oh we're featured in the Sunday Life. Now if it's on sort of pages one to five I might go out and buy the paper if it's after page five I think it's not that important. Uh, So the men that we work with in Thompson House would have a range of offending behavior anything from theft and burglary to murder, arson, uh, sex offending. Uh, So very difficult and challenging work for our staff there. A lot of our residents will also have addiction problems and mental health issues. Um, In the last year we've had two suicides there. So difficult for staff dealing with situations like that and uh, I suppose our vision statement as an organization is people matter to God and that's not just the people that we're caring for but also for our staff so we like to be there to support staff at all times.
1: Linda I'm going to let you catch breath for a second Mm -hmm. but uh, when I think of you I think of a verse in the book of Acts where Peter is uh, talking about the Lord Jesus and he describes Jesus as someone who went about doing good and uh, I remember uh, a very famous uh, Japanese Christian called Kagua of Japan, and he said that that was very significant for him because he realized he was just going about. So going about doing good is an amazing thing, and I, I see that in you. I see that in Lindsay Conway and other members of staff who work in Church House. But uh, tell us about what is done centrally In church house building in order to facilitate this work the length and breadth of the country
2: as my role as residential and supported services manager I would be the registered homeowner uh, for all of our properties with the RQIA I'm sure you've maybe heard of that organization in the media they inspect all care facilities and they ensure that you've got appropriate staffing levels and you're meeting the standards So it's my role to ensure, along with staff uh, in Church House, whether it's in our personnel department or our finance department, that we've got appropriate staff um, and also that they're getting the appropriate training and support that they need to do their job to ensure that all of our residents' needs are going to be met. So it's very much teamwork um you know if we don't have the money we can't get the staff, and if we don't have good staff then you 're not going to have a high quality service provided uh,
1: it 's only one of the aspects that is funded by our United appeal, uh, which we contribute to within the congregation and we 're glad to do that. but are there ways in which uh, people could volunteer say with boys and girls with learning difficulty or in any of the special Uh, uh, units
2: so along with um, the 400 odd staff that we have we would also have about 200 volunteers who have a range of different ways of volunteering each of the homes and the units that we have Um, would have what's known as a local support committee, where people from the local presbytery would serve in that committee and would come in and maybe help organise activities or events and outings, maybe be involved in some fundraising. Uh, One of the main volunteering projects that we have is called Fresh Start, and it's based at what was Hydebank Young Offender Centre, it's now known as Hydebank College. And we place volunteers there and we work along with the prison staff. A lot of our volunteers would be in the education department working along with the young men and also with the in the women's prison there as well. Um, you know they're maybe doing NVQs and catering and maybe they're struggling because they haven't done or studied well at school or even attended school so our volunteers will do some additional education work with them to help them get their qualifications but we love volunteers no matter what your skill is if you can play the piano or an instrument um, if you want to go in and read to residents help having a shop that we would have in our homes for older people um, or just going in and sitting chatting to residents or Maybe if you're into IT, um, you could come in and help a resident um, use the computer to Skype relatives who are maybe in America or Australia.
1: Linda, thank you. Rick, we've been talking about uh, prisons and ex-prisoners. You'll soon be in prison yourself?
3: Um, Yeah, that's right. I had to think for a moment there. Um, Yeah, we're... uh, We're running an event called Transform. I suppose I should say uh, part of my role, so the the job title is Discipleship Development Officer and it's helping congregations um, to think about um, how we can disciple. um, Disciples who make disciples was the phrase that Philip used. That's very much kind of on our our radar, uh, on our lips, on on our training and our resources. Um, Part of my remit of my role also um, touches young adults' work um, as well. I I suppose I should say my uh, background is... I'm coming from youth ministry background, so I spent a decade in youth ministry. Half of that time was with Scripture Union as a schools worker, um, across, secondary schools worker across Northern Ireland, and then the other half of that was in congreg- congregational youth work in Corn Money Presbyterian, where we're now members. And, um, and so I suppose coming into this role, the, the young adults bit was uh, quite attractive to me, I suppose, and um, I have a heart uh, to see us as a denomination try to help equip and, and train up and, and release some of the next generation in terms of young adults um, and young leaders. So uh, the prison link is that we're running an event called Transform um, that's going to be in Crumlin Road Jail um, at the end of August. And so uh, the, the heart of Transform is to um, help young adults to think through how they can be missional in their everyday lives so we've held that not in church buildings over the past two or three years but in different buildings across and Belfast and um, so far Um, and the heart of it is to bring young adults together from right across the denomination the last two years we've had around 100 young adults from a huge variety of churches and geography north and south east and west rural urban all of that and and uh uh And really just give them uh, Bible teaching, worship, uh, space to discuss and chat together, um, seminars, um, all aimed at training them up to be transformed by Jesus so that they can um, be transformative people in their world.
1: Rick, what is a young adult?
3: um so there's there's a bit of that this that i find difficult in my role i should say as well Um a, a young adult i suppose we we just say if if you're 18 plus you can come to transform and i really mean that that's that's kind of the lower bracket we put on it i think we, we can talk a lot about young adults and um what is a young adult if you're 18 plus you're an adult okay and i suppose um I don't know if it's going off paste and sharing my own personal bias but I think sometimes we can treat people as as young people who are maybe leading businesses and who are working in all sorts of spheres of society and uh, I suppose in in society with with lots of young adults and, and I mean by that people in their 20s who are leading in all sorts of areas of life and society and sometimes I think part of an issue for the churches that we tend to treat them uh, as perhaps still young people who are yet to graduate and uh, and graduate into leadership um, or into maturity. And so I suppose what we're trying to do with Transform and some of the other, um, particularly Emerge, was mentioned earlier on as well, which is a young leaders training program, is really say that, you know, uh, you can serve You can serve in the life of the church. We want to equip you for that. And we want you to step up, to be involved, to lead, to participate, to take a full role um, and an active part to play. So uh, we're we're desperate not to just segregate young adults too much. um, And I suppose one of the transitions of this role over the past little while has been to say that actually we don't want to just do lots of Events for young adults across a whole year and suck them out of the life of a local congregation, but actually, we want to do two or three key things really well. Um, So, emerge young leaders training, uh, transform a a one weekend conference um, to try to. uh, keep them, I suppose, in the midst of the local in, the, in their local church, and and then the events that we do, we're trying to add value, um, to maybe something that a congregation might struggle to do just on their own, but actually, um, when they come together, maybe we, we can add value in that way.
1: Something else that's hugely popular here is the mad weekend. Okay,
3: yeah, Yeah, yeah so that's a an amazing opportunity for young people to get together. I suppose. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it earlier uh, that you know in our congregations we can be so um we're just not aware of of what's going on and so uh, we find great benefit whether it's mad weekend for teenagers or transform for 18 plus or emerge for young leaders and and bringing people together and and having people share their own experiences and and their own ideas of what's happening in a congregation and to, to discover actually that there's other people the church is alive in other parts of Ireland, the church is, I mean, I'm biased, but I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And so I think any time we can um, expose, whether it's young people, actually any people of any age, to others from across the wider church, I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and as we see, you know, people come together, um, we see that happening. We see people encourage one another. We see people um, hear stories and hear ideas and hear good practice from from right across the denomination. I suppose, like you as well, I, you know, this role. Affords me the opportunity to see a breadth of the church, and so in the last couple of, uh, in the last two or three years since I've been part of this, I've just been a hugely privileged. I, I think too often I've had the posture about complaining about the church throughout my life. You know, the church is not doing this. You know, so many Sunday lunches around my, you know, my parents' dinner table complaining about what the church wasn't doing, and sometimes. And I suppose in the last two or three years, I've had my eyes opened to, to what the church is doing. And what God, well, maybe a better way to put it is what God is doing through the church. And so a little bit like um, the, the spies who went to spy the land, uh, you know, the promised land, the 12 spies, 10 of them saw, you know, fear or things that they would make them scared or, or, or maybe make them frustrated. And I suppose as I go around my work, that passage has spoken to me that as I come back to other congregations, I want to share good reports of what's going on and say that there's good things going on. Of course, there's things for us to consider as a denomination. Of course, there's things that consider as a church. And of course, there might be frustrations um, or things for us to think about. But actually, there's good, there's good people doing good things in, in, in amazing congregations in amazing ways. God is at work through His church. Mm-hmm. And I guess we, in our work, we just want to join in with what God's already doing in, in, in lots of different ways.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, Rick. So, thank you for expl- explaining it so clearly. Uh, you have a real passion for helping youth workers, and people who are working alongside young people in, in different uh, congregations?
3: I suppose that comes from my background. Maybe I'm a bias in terms of youth ministry. Um, I, I think I come back to something I said in my own personal story earlier on, that I was mentored, discipled by people um, who took an interest in me and who invested in me. And so um, whenever we talk about discipleship and disciples who make disciples, um, I'm reminded it's disciples who make disciples, not programs who make disciples. It's, it's people who make disciples, and um, people who are following Jesus for themselves and growing. And so a lot of what my work does is delivers training or develop resources, okay? Some of the events are maybe what Bring, takes people's focus at times, but the events is a small picture of what we're really doing day by day. Um, so I would divide my role up into delivering training and developing resources. So Essentials is a resource that you see. Tides is a resource that um, we've been developing that pops into people's email inbox, and it's a way for, um, I guess, PCI or people across the PCI to be Uh, engaging with God's Word on a daily basis. Quite simple devotions, to be honest, but um, just simple ways for people to read Scripture every morning, to to reflect on a short commentary and, and respond that that day or respond to, to what they've read so we, we tried to develop resources like that resources that we can put into the hands of a local congregation and, and then also the training as the other thing so training whether it's youth leaders or young and emerging leaders who are helping out in their congregation or whether it's people who are involved in and in all sorts of work in their congregations we're trying to develop them and deliver training that would help them to think about um, um, discipleship and how they're they're not just focusing in the you know, in church life, we can get focused and bogged down in so much um, stuff, but actually to try to keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, to, to remember that Jesus called people to follow him and then sent him out to fish for people. And so we're, we're helping to train people to say, what does this look like? How can you uh, help people in your church to follow Jesus and to fish for people uh, through their, their, their life?
1: Isn't that good? Glad to hear all that. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Every Sunday night I give out a different book uh, for free. Uh, Tonight I'm not going to do that. But over here on the communion table there are a whole lot of resources. And uh, there are old heralds. There are various things about uh, what's happening in in church. And you also have some uh, uh, little... um, bookmarks.
2: Yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, One of my passions is about integrating people with disabilities into congregations um, as well as us providing um, different services and facilities. This is a bookmark that has been produced this year called Blessed Are You and it's based on the Beatitudes but particularly Beatitudes for people with disabilities so I've got plenty of them so please feel free to lift them and use them
1: and have a conversation with these two good people. I'm going to pray for you uh, just as we finish. Our gracious Lord, we do bless you for the amazing work that is being done in Jesus' name uh, in different parts of this island and across the globe. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of being able to be part of that. We thank you for the church which you love, Uh, And our gracious Father, help us always to recognise the privilege of being part of the people of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for Linda and all that she has shared with us and for the work of the Council uh, of Social Witness in its myriad of uh, outworkings. And in the places of frontline ministry and real messiness, we do pray our gracious Lord, for the staff and all who are involved, that there'll just be a sense of your enabling and strengthening and encouraging. And dear Lord, please, may your Holy Spirit be at work transforming people's lives so that uh, uh, people come to know and love the Lord Jesus and 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 find a wholeness of life uh, in very difficult circumstances. Dear Lord, we want to say thank you for, for Rick, Thank you for all that he has shared with us, his passion, his love for you. And we pray that in his day-to-day work, in uh, both uh, uh, resourcing and equipping, that he will be strengthened, encouraged, and conscious of the prayers of your people here and elsewhere. So, our gracious Father, thank you for this evening. And thank you for uh, your mercies to us, uh, which are new every morning and fresh every evening. We bless you in Jesus' strong name.